so much. If you got your Bible this morning, I've got to get cooking because we got a whole nother service to do here. And uh, but you know, there's lots of new stuff happening, so I wanted to let everybody know what was going on. If you got your Bible, though, open it up to Song of Songs. This is the last part in a series we've been doing the past month, and uh, we, we've been we've gone through the whole book just about. Obviously, you couldn't go through every verse. We'd be we'd be doing it for a year, but we've gone through the different chapters of this teaching. Uh, uh, the Song of Songs. Some of your Bible is called the Song of Solomon. And obviously some of you haven't been here, so I'll give you just a quick recap of, of where, we, where, where we've been. But uh, the, the Bible says that Solomon, he wrote a thousand and five songs. So he's a prolific songwriter. A thousand and five songs. And this is the number one out of all of his songs. This is the Song of Songs. And this is his opus. This is his, the one that made it into the 66 books of your Bible, right? So it's not just that he liked it, but God inspired it. God was in on its writing. And it's actually one of five wisdom books in your Old Testament. In your Old Testament, there's five wisdom books. This is the wisdom book that has to do with relationships. In other words, you don't have to go through marriage, you know, with ignorant. Yes, amen. Thank you, Lord. Uh, you, you, that God gives us wisdom, and we've looked at uh, uh, the, the stages of relationship. And if you've got your worship guide, some of these are in there, and we're going to look at them. And uh, the, the first one that we looked at is this couple, uh, their attraction to each other. And we looked at what we should be attracted to and what we should be attracted to, right? We just can't be attracted to a hottie with a body. We, marriages can't be built on that, right? It can't just be a physical attraction. You can't just say, well, he's got a lot of money or she's got a lot of money. This is going to work out. No, God has said there's certain things you should be attracted to and there's certain things you should be cultivating in your own life to make you attractive. So we spent a whole Sunday just looking at, uh, looking at attraction. And then we looked at because they went from attraction, then they started dating or they started courting or they actually, you could say, uh, got engaged to each other. And we started looking at how they went through that process of where they started to become uh, really uh, committed to each other. And we, will, we looked at how they prepared themselves. We went through the whole how they dated. And then we spent a whole Sunday just on the consummation of the marriage. If you don't know what that means, that just means... After they got married, God didn't see them as married until they consummated the marriage. So there's a whole chapter of them getting together and consummating that marriage. And the two of them becoming one. Can I get an amen? My personal favorite. Uh, so, but there's more to that than what meets the eye, right? Because the world will tell you it's just physical, but it's not just physical. Because in God's eyes, it's something spiritual that happens. That's why he sets parameters on that part of your life. Because it's not just a physical thing. Miley Cyrus, the whole entertainment industry will just say, you can do what you want. You can act, you can act however you want. This, that it's all just physical. It doesn't matter. You were born that way or you were made that way. And they'll just push you to just go by your feelings. But we don't live by our feelings feelings we live by our convictions we don't live by feelings we live by faith we don't live by feelings we live the bible says every that his word is forever established in heaven so we spent a week just looking at that and then last week there was trouble in paradise there was a tiff there was a fight there was an argument there was tragedy there was anger there was hurt that they butted heads and of course all of you have butted heads with the opposite sex i'm sure if you haven't you need to fight Y'all are, too, somebody is just, 
rolling over, right? Because every person in here has their own personality and their own drives, and those things clash. And, and we looked at that, how to resolve conflict, how to go forward when you're angry, right? Don't leave, cleave. Stick in there, hang in the pocket, work it out. Well, now we're, we're to this point in their relationship, the last couple of chapters. And I want to look at this word this morning. And this word is just, it's a word called commitment. Everybody say commitment. They've, they've, they've gone through this process and now they're, 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 it's closing out this book of wisdom on relationship. And we're going to find that there's a seal or there's a commitment, there's a solidifying of themselves together. What God has joined together, let no man put asunder. There's this, there's this process that's gone on uh, in their life, uh, not separately, but them coming together. And that's the part that I want to look at this morning. Now, obviously, it's Easter. And, and on Easter, right, we're here to celebrate our king. I mean, I'm glad he's not dead. Right, so, so, so we're here to celebrate our resurrected King. And, and, and that's, that's why we're here. So I, I'm going to spin this message just a little bit different. Because I told you at the beginning of this series, I said, you can interpret this, this book, Song of Songs, two different ways. You can either see it as Solomon and the Shulamite. That's the woman. Weird, I know. Uh, you can interpret it as Solomon and Shulamite, the girl. And their attraction and their courting and their intimacy, you can, and, and them going fighting and then them coming to commitment. But the other way that you interpret this book is, is, is Jesus and his bride. Or you could say God and his people. Because the Bible says that Jesus is the head of the church. And he actually says, he says, I'm the, I'm the vine. And you're the branches. The same sap that's in me is in you. The same life that's in you is in me. The same fruitfulness, the, the same, the, the, the essence of heaven that flows through me extends through its branches. And once that takes place, boop, there's fruit. And he says, if you cut yourself off from the branch, then you've cut yourself off from my life. So Jesus is always giving us this illustration about us in relation to him. Right. He says, I am the shepherd. You are the sheep. I'm the vine. You're the branches. But in this instance, he says, I am the husband and you are the bride. I am the Solomon and you are the Shulamite. So whenever you read this book with that in mind and you forget about a boy and a girl and them dating and making out and fighting and making up and you begin to change it a little bit and then you start to see that, that God is here giving us a picture of, of what He wants our relationship with Him to be. He wants us to find Him attractive or in your worship guide, I like to say irresistible. God goes out of his way to make himself irresistible. He just got, and, and, and I could give you, there ain't enough hours in this morning to talk about the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, the peace of God, the abundance of God. The, the, there, we just, I would run out of time trying to give you all of these scriptures, but God gives us these scriptures just to make himself irresistible. And I want you to know God is smoking hot. 
And you say, oh, yeah, on Easter, you're going to say, God, God is smoldering wonderful. And again, if you go back to the, the, what, the very first couple of chapters, uh, Shulamite, she, she calls Solomon. She says, Solomon, he is so fine. He's like a stag and he's like a gazelle and he's on the mountains and he's, he's this and he talks to me good and he treats me good and, and he loves me good. And, and, and then he goes and he starts talking about Shulamite. He says, you are my queen. You are my beloved. You are my darling. You are my best friend. You're the greatest thing. And she says, yeah, but I'm kind of ugly. I'm a, my skin has been burned from the sun because I had to go work out in the vineyard. Have you ever felt like that before God's God's telling you how great you are and you think yeah but yeah but I'm not that good I made a lot of mistakes I've done a lot of bad things and he says yeah but to me I would leave everything for you you're the apple of my eye and he loves that stuff right out of you he loves that insecurity right out of you why he just makes himself irresistible and man there's just so many scriptures that come up out of my heart uh, for this, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I have for you. I know the thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts to prosper you, not to harm you. Thoughts to give you a hope and a future. If you just look at Jer- Deuteronomy 28, put Deuteronomy 28 up there. I'll try to read some of these without getting so excited. I'll just jump over a chair. Deuteronomy chapter 28, he's talking to his people. Verse number one, he says, he says, if you'll fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow his commandments, I give you the day the Lord God will he'll set you a high above all the nations on the earth. These blessings will come on you and accompany you if you'll obey the Lord. You'll be blessed in the city. You'll be blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed. The crops of your land will be blessed. The, live, the young of your livestock will be blessed. The calves and your herds and your lambs and your flocks will all be blessed. Verse 5, your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. Verse 6, you'll be blessed when you come in. You'll be blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that your enemies who rise up against you they'll be defeated before you they'll come in at you one way and they'll leave seven ways he says the Lord will send a blessing on your barns on everything you put your hands to he'll bless you in the land that he's given you verse 9 the Lord will establish you as his holy people as he promised on the other if you keep the commandments of the Lord you walk in obedience to him all the people of the earth will call you blessed Jump down to verse 12. I can't read all of it. He says, The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of His bounty. He will send rain on your land in season, and He'll bless all the works of your hand. Don't He just make Himself irresistible? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. He says, just come get a taste. Just come. And I don't know about you, but I, 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 I ran from this because the, He pursued me. So in the next little blank under there, after he makes himself irresistible to you, then he just goes into full-blown pursuit. And if you, if you look at, whenever we looked at Solomon and the Shulamite pursuing each other, man, they were just hard after each other, right? Just, just going, and that's how God, God pursues us. I can't speak for everybody, but I can tell you I was a hard nut to crack. But he pursued me. I ran as fast as I could. I did everything to try to get away from God. My mom's here this morning. She'll tell you I've got, I've totaled, I don't even know how many cars I've totaled. I've flown through windshields. I've had plastic surgery, put my head back together. I've been incarcerated. I've had all kind of troubles. And I was the girl who was just like, man, you really don't want me, brother. I can tell you with 100% certainty, you don't want this one right here. I've been burned, and I will burn you. But he just, he pursues. He's unwavering in his pursuit of us. The Shulamite and Solomon, you just see this ebb and flow of each one of them. They were just going out of their way 
in pursuing each other. And I can tell you there was many times whenever I would, I had to have people around me all the time. I didn't want to be alone because whenever I was alone, he was on my case. He was down here. You ain't got no business being here. This is not where you got better things for you. I got things I want you to do. Things blah, 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 blah. So in order to get away from that, I, I self-medicated or self-abused, whatever you want to call it. I did whatever was necessary to silence that pursuit. But you know, he just don't give up. Have you ever chased a girl before? I mean, like a girl like you really wanted. Like you'll do pretty stupid stuff, right? Maybe I'm the only one. I'll do anything. I'll die. Uh, where do you live? Yeah, I'd be there by morning. Amarillo by morning. <laughs> Up from San Antonio, everything I got is just what I got on. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a problem with that. I'll put on some George. I'll be there, baby. <laughs> Pursuit, right? Whenever you got something that you really want, my, my son and I, he, my son, he likes to watch hunting shows, and there's a show called Extreme Pursuit. And that's not just like regular people that like sit in a duck blind or hunting and they like shoot things. These people like go backpack in. It may take them a month to kill this thing and then they got to chop it up and carry it out on their back like a whole elk. I mean, it's extreme pursuit, right? It's not like, you know, you have a chef and people to pluck your ducks. No, I mean, this is like man-eater type stuff, like bow up and get it, right? This ain't for sissies. Extreme pursuit, I mean, I know God, he'll, he'll go to extremes for God so loved the world. He went to extremes for who? For him? No, not for him and certainly not for Jesus. He went to extremes to pursue you. That was the extremes that he went to. In, in, in what end? Intimacy. Number three, that was their wedding. But for us, it's intimacy. In other words, I, I gave you three blanks right there. The first one is no sugar daddy. Yeah, happy Easter. No sugar daddy. That just means God's not interested in you just going to Him whenever your butt's in a bind. God's not interested in you just calling on Him whenever you need a miracle. It's really, that's really not intimacy. Well, say, well, what is intimacy? Intimacy is communion. That's what intimacy really is. This is my body. It was broken for you. That's communion. That's intimacy. This is my blood. It's the blood of the new covenant that was poured out for you. My life is not my own. I lay it down. Greater love hath no man than that he lay down his life for his friend. He says, I freely lay my life down. Nobody takes it from me. Do you not know that I could call a legion of angels come to take me out of this place and wipe this whole earth out? He says, no, no, no. I lay my life down because I want intimacy. God doesn't want robots. Right? He gave you a will. Unlike angels, you have a will. You're created in the image of God. Choose you this day who you shall serve. Choose life or death. Choose blessing or cursing. He gave you the right of choice so that you would choose intimacy. Communion is worship. That's what, that, that's what I'm sorry. Intimacy is worship. Intimacy is communion. But, but really, it's, it's whenever you say, God, I worship you. Not my will, but your will. That's, that's, what, that's what I want. And then the, the, the next one is, 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 is you saw that this couple, the, they had some problems, right? They had a fight. They had an anger. Or in our world, that just means storms. Jesus said, in this life, you can put this, this one up there on the screen. John, in this life, chapter 16, verse 33, says, I've told you these things so that you'll have peace, but you're going to have some trouble. Christianity is not the absence of trouble. 
right? It's not, no, nobody up here is, is selling, uh, you know, pixie dust. Just sprinkle this on your life. Everything's going to be better. No, Jesus told you. He says, they hated me. They'll hate you. They persecuted me. They'll persecute you. In fact, if they aren't persecuting you, you may not be doing it right. Jesus said, take up my cross and follow me. Whoever in this life leaves their mother, their father, their sister, their brother, houses and lands for my sake will in this life and the life to come receive a hundredfold. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. There is a yoke. There is a burden. There is a sacrifice. There is a call. There is a storm. But, I mean, I remember footprints in the sand. I mean, I remember reading that when you were a kid. Author unknown. I mean, I remember some of y'all, you don't even know. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you how old I am. I remember as a kid, we had a little plaque that said, footprints in the sand, you know. And there's two sets of footprints, and the guy's walking with God. And God's like, I walked with you through your whole life. And the guy's like, yeah, but, but there was times in my most difficult times whenever there's only one set of footprints. God, why did you leave me in those seasons? He said, I didn't leave you. That was me carrying you. Isn't that great? So this, so, so, so this is not the absence of storm. Jesus said that if you'll build your house upon the rock, when the storms of life come, your house will stand. He didn't say they ain't coming. He actually promised you. He says the storms are coming, baby. But if you build your house on sand, on fleeting things, when the storms of life come, you'll crumble. Your marriage will crumble. Your kids will crumble. Your finances will crumble. Your life will crumble. But if you'll build your house upon the sure, firm foundation, then, 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 then you'll make it through those storms. How many of you Jesus is down in the bottom of the boat sleeping? I mean, I had somebody, like, my daddy snored like that. You're like, God, turn him off. Jesus down in the boat, just out cold, just comatose. And, and the, there's such a violent storm that his own disciples who he's been with for three years are fearing for their life. We're going to die. We're not going to make it out of this storm. It's too bad. This is not going to end well. They go and wake Jesus up. What did Jesus say? He says, oh, you have little faith. How long must I be with you? Haven't I calmed the waves? Haven't you seen me multiply the loaves and the fishes? Haven't I been with you? Haven't I raised Lazarus from the dead and blind Bartimaeus? Have I not done all of that in your presence? So God, he, he walks with us through the storm. And when we're about to freak out, if you stay planted, if you stay close, then that reassurance will come. He says, did I not do this? Have I not got you here? Did you not avoid this? I've, I've, I've got you to this point. I'll get you to the next point. He weathers those storms with us. But now that brings us to this last one that I wanted to give you this morning. And that is where this couple, they come to a place of commitment. The other word you could put would be the word covenant. So covenant, commitment. Covenant is a fancy church term. Your Bible is called the Old Testament and the New Testament. If it was accurate, it would be written the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The Old part of your Bible teaches us about the Old Covenant. In the Old Covenant, whenever they had to come into God's presence, they would take a lamb like that one, and they would stab it. Happy Easter. They would take the blood from that lamb and put it on the mercy seat. And God would look down from heaven and he would see the blood of an innocent animal who gave its life unwillingly, but nonetheless, 
The, the blood from that animal was put on the mercy seat. And God didn't remove those people's sin. He just covered their sin temporarily. And there was constantly this process of the old covenant where they're having to take the blood of animals to cover the sins of the people. How many of y'all glad we don't have to do that anymore? Yes, it would be horrendous in here right now. Our new chairs be blood everywhere. In the New Testament, the blood of our spotless lamb, right? Our King of Kings, our Lord of Lords, who willingly laid his life down. He said, I'll be the animal, the sacrifice. My blood will be applied to the mercy seat. So you have the old covenant and the new covenant. And covenant is, is again, it's a church term, but it really just means commitment. And here we have the Shulamite and we have Solomon that are now in this place of commitment or this place of covenant. Now, the covenant in the, it, let's just say it like this. If you were going to have a, a covenant ceremony back in Hebrew times or Bible times, or let's say it like this, there are tribes in Africa that still make covenants every day. There are South American tribes that make covenants with each other every day. We we'll say, well, why do they do that? Well, they don't have attorneys. They don't have people to notarize things. They don't have banks. They don't have that type of stuff. It's kind of like used to in America. America, a handshake was all that you needed. Well, still in other parts of the world, there are people that make covenants together with each other. So in Bible times, whenever God made a covenant with Abraham, there were some steps. And in your worship guide, I put those down. But the first step is, is that they would exchange robes. In other words, if me and Jody were going to make a covenant together. What's up, Jody? How you doing, man? If me and Jody were going to make a covenant together... Back then, they wore, they wore robes. Now, I wear a robe, but not like out in public, right? If I did, that would be scary, right? How y'all doing? <laughs> I want a Pop-Tart. Uh, so the, but back then, they wore robes out, right? I mean, that's what they did. So Jody and I would stand, and we would face each other, and I would take my robe off, and I would give it to Jody, and Jody would give his robe to me. And what that meant was, was Jody was just saying, my life I'm giving to you, and I would give his robe to him, uh, my robe to him, and I'd say, my life I'm giving to you. And then we would take our belts off. Now back then, you know, belts didn't just hold your pants up. Belts held your, your weapons. So I would take my belt off and I'd give it to Jody and then Jody would give me his belt. And what he was saying is, your enemies are now my enemies. Your battles are now my battles. People that come against you, they're not coming against you, they're coming against me. And, and they would exchange their weapons. And this was equal, right? It's not like I'm just giving him my, my belt and there was, no, 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 no. There's, there's, I'm taking yours, you're taking mine. And now uh, everything, all, all, all the, the battles that we go into... We have to reciprocate. We have to fight with each other. Well, after they would exchange uh, the, their belts, then they would cut themselves. And the word covenant literally means to cut. That's what it literally means. You look it up in the dictionary and it says to cut, to cut covenant. So then we would slice our palms. How many of y'all do this as a kid? Come on, somebody, somebody. Yes, thank you, thank you, yes, thank you. How many of y'all have blood brothers? Yes, thank you, Brent. Yes, yes, thank you, Brent. Yes, yes, we could do this after church today. 
How many, how many of you remember sitting in the carport with your buddies? Like I lived in a neighborhood, there's like 30 of us boys. But some of us boys, you know, were better friends than the other. So we would prick our fingers and we would touch our fingers together. And now we're what? Yes, blood brothers. It's just in our DNA. Blood brothers. And that's what they would do. They, they would slice their hands and they would mingle their blood. And they're saying, my life is now your life. Your life is now my life. And actually, all of your debts are now my debts. And my debts are your debts. Your student loans are now my student loans. I mean, I've been married. Right? Your car payment is now my car payment. In marriage, it's the same thing. Then they exchange names. You take my last name. How many of y'all know that this is, that whenever you get married in 2016, anywhere in America, it's the same process based on biblical truths. You exchange names. The, the shedding of blood is the consummation of the marriage. Legally, all of your debts are now our debts. All of the fights, the, the battles that you, that you have to come up against, now they're our battles. We're not separated anymore. Now we're in covenant after they would mingle their blood together, they would exchange names, then they would plant a memorial tree. In other words, these covenants were good to ten generations. And every generation coming up after that would look at that tree. And he said, this is a tree, a memorial of the covenant. They would rub dirt in their scars, and the scars would be a memorial of the covenant. And then they would have a meal. I mean, I remember whenever you got married, you exchanged names. Right? You exchanged rings. You stated the, the terms of the covenant, which they would do. They'd say, this is what I'm going to do for you. This is what you're going to do for me. Then they would have a meal. I mean, I know what that's called now. The reception. Just kidding. Same thing. It's a party. It's, it's a meal. Now, back to, that's the boy-girl version. Let's take it back to the Jesus version. Because the Jesus version is what He did for us. We exchange robes with Jesus. He says, give me your dirty garments, and I'll give you white garments. Give me your unrighteousness, and I'll clothe you in righteousness. He says, I'll give you a name that's above every other name. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. And at the name of Jesus, demons will flee. Jesus says, your battles are now my battles. You don't have to fight them alone. Vengeance is mine. I'll be your shield and your buckler. I'll be your exceeding great reward. Any tongue that rises up against you will be found to be in the wrong. And no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Those are terms of the covenant. How many of y'all know we get the good end of the deal? I mean, seriously. I'll get him, Jesus. Pretty, right? He knows what he's doing when he's entering into this covenant with you and I, with the blood of, of his son. The tree that's planted is our cross. When we look at the cross, we see the memorial of the covenant. That's why it's such an iconic symbol. And that's why Jesus doesn't belong on it. Sorry. Sometimes I see people with Jesus on their cross and I want to just rip Jesus off and give them their cross back. He's not there. He's risen. And the only thing that's left is the tree, the sign of the covenant. And there will be an end reception in heaven for all of the saints. He says, at the end of it all, 
after every knee is bowed, every tongue's confessed, and then we will enter into the heavenly reception. And Jesus, the Solomon, will be united with his bride, the bride that he made himself attractive for, irresistible for, the bride that he pursued relentlessly while you were yet a sinner. In the middle of your funk, he pursued you with a vengeance. In the middle of my mess, he didn't say, good riddance. He said, you're valuable to me. And from pursuit, then I had to make a choice whether or not I wanted intimacy or if I just wanted a God that I could call on so that I didn't get in jail, right? My bills paid. And then from that place, we, 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 we've, we've weathered some storms. And I'll tell you, there's a lot more to weather. I'm not ignorant of the fact that there'll be many other things that I'm sure over the course of my life, but that'll be the times when... I'll have to lean in, not the times that we can run away, right? We looked at Solomon. He bolted whenever, the, whenever there was a problem. No, no, no. And, but, but ultimately, it's for you and I to be in covenant with him. So I've got to close. I'm going to end this service. And, and I'll say that saying, I don't know where you're at in the stage of relationship with God. Maybe you're still unsure about his irresistibleness. Maybe you're there. Maybe he's been pursuing you and you're just running as fast as you can. Maybe you're pursuing him. Maybe it's an equal thing. Maybe, there, maybe you're in intimacy stage where you say, God, I love you with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength. You're the apple of my eye. I'm not just the apple of your eye. Maybe you're in the middle of a storm right now and you say, man, I don't, I don't, I don't even know how we're going to make it. Out of this, I've lost faith in God. I've lost faith in His goodness. I've lost faith in His ability ever since the divorce, ever since the child ran away or the kid died, ever since tragedy happened. And, and I just feel like that, that, that I'm sunk. Maybe that's you. I don't know. I, don't, I have no way of knowing where, which stage you're on in your walk with God. I don't know if you're committed, if you're covenant, pursuing, or, 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 or on the fence. I have no idea. But the way I want to end the service, feel like the Lord wants me in the service, is just give you an opportunity today to take a step. That's your opportunity today. So I'm going to ask you, we'll bow our head, close your eyes, and, and just for, for each one of us, just to, the Bible, we just check our own heart. Say, God, where am I at? And God, I, just, I want to take a step. Here at this church, we want to help you take steps. That's why we have classes and we have shindigs and we have, you know, counseling and Bible study, all of this stuff that, that we're doing just so that we can help you Take steps. The last thing I'll say about, about commitment, and I put it in your worship guide because I felt like the Lord specifically wanted me uh, to bring this up, is commitment is not perfection. In other words, sometimes we think for us to be committed to God that we have to, that that's perfection. I can tell you with 100% certainty, I was in Bible college and uh, drinking every night. Isn't that weird? Y'all don't, y'all don't, y'all, look out, stones. Comes the tomatoes. But I had come out of a life just kind of a craziness. So I was living with my mom. She probably don't really know. Sorry, mama. Uh, so I would go to Bible college during the day. And then at night, I would still, I would, I would pour me a hotty toddy or something like that. Right? Because well, I was trying to. Remember whenever Jesus spoke to Lazarus, he said, Lazarus, come forth. And Jesus spoke life to Lazarus. But then there was a process of unwrapping Lazarus. 
Right? Jesus come, uh, Lazarus comes walking out, but there was a process of unwrapping that man, and Jesus said, loose that man and let him go. So other people got around Lazarus and helped unwrap him, even though he was very much alive, he was still bound. So I just, I just had to tell the Lord, I said, listen, I'm going to Bible college, and I feel like this, this is what you want me to do, and I really don't want to do it. But if it takes me 10 years to get beyond this mess, I'll do it. If it takes me 10 years to unwrap myself from all of this funkiness, I'll do it. How many of y'all know how long it took? 10 years. Nope, just kidding. Did not take 10 years. It took within three or four months. He had just unwrapped me, revealed himself to me. The eyes, Ephesians chapter 1, the eyes of my understanding became flooded with light. And I began to know the breadth and length and depth and height. To know the love of Christ, which passes all understanding. So commitment's not perfection. Nobody's asking you for perfection. Uh, if he wanted perfection, I would have quit a long time ago. He wants what any good coach wants from a good player. Commitment. He wants what any good parent wants from a kid. Commitment. Hey, man, just clean your room, bro. Give, me, give, give it your best shot. Am I going to strike you with lightning if you don't? No, but I'm going to help you. I'm going to coach you. And we're going to get this room cleaned. Right? He, he, just wants, he just wants, listen, just for us, us corporately, wherever you're at in your walk, just for you to say, I'll take a step. God, I'll take a step. Everybody bow your head, close your eyes. We're just going to close it like this. I'm not going to call you down to the front. I'm not going to embarrass you or anything. This has nothing to do with me. And this is not my message today. This is his message. His message to you is, will you take a step this Easter, 2016? Will you do it different than you've been doing it? Will you do this year different than you did last year? Will you recommit? Will you enter covenant? Will you, uh, instead of running from me, will you turn around and at least just let me walk beside you and catch up with you? Will you just taste and see that I really am good?